Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Technology, right? Yeah, it's on. Light's on. All right, can you hear me now? All right. Apparently I now work for Verizon. Um, Change of careers, just that quick. All right, so our scripture today that we're going to be reading out of is out of Matthew chapter 25. And I want to set the stage a little bit because I think it's important that whenever we study God's word and we look, especially when it's Christ who's speaking, that we have at least a somewhat understanding of the concept and the context in which he's speaking. So in Matthew chapter 25, when he is speaking this, he has entered Jerusalem and he's a couple days away from the cross. And as I've gone through this and looked at this part of his ministry, he starts to really focus on this is what's going to be expected of you guys as my followers after I return from the grave and before I return the second time. So let's keep that in mind that this is where he's setting that stage of Here's what's coming next, if you will. So let's read Matthew chapter 25. We're going to go through 14 through 30. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ah, yes. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) 
children's church. If you see that up there and I don't ever say anything, just remind me because I, I don't know why I have this brain thing. But children's church is now, you're now able to go. If you go right across the hall, there's a, there'll be a whole group of children there uh, up to sixth grade, I think. So I want to introduce uh, Aaron. I don't want to take up his time, uh, but Aaron is in charge of the Youth for Christ on the east side. Uh, that's an, an exciting new uh, undertaking for him. Um, so we're excited to have him. So, morning, brother. Hopefully, I got this thing back on again. Uh, good morning again, guys. Uh, Youth for Christ, right? So, Youth for Christ is an awesome ministry, and the last person who was on the east side who had a regular meeting going for Youth for Christ is a name you guys might recognize because it was Joel. Zabrowski. Joel left a while ago. There's been a gap in East Erie County for Youth for Christ. Um, like Dan said, and it's really going to tie into this message of how I ended up here, was a couple years of stepping and stepping and stepping until God got me pointed in the direction that He wanted me to go. And hopefully, after today, you guys aren't quite as thick-headed as I was because God was trying to tell me where to go a couple years ago, and it took me a while to hear him. Um, I'll touch on Youth for Christ later, and it's kind of interesting, because when I talked to Dan, and I knew this opportunity may be available, I had this really cool, awesome sermon, and I was going to recruit all of you for Youth for Christ. <laughs> and then I went to the Bible, and I started to pray, and God was like, no, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Um, and he gave me a different message, but it ties into that. So before we start and we go into Matthew, I want to go somewhere else because I always like to set the purpose of what we're going to do today. And honestly, I think that every church in America could put this as the scripture right up here where you always see scriptures. Because I think it's something we constantly need to be reminded of. And that what we're going to go and what we're going to find out is the purpose of the Bible is to engage us in change in our lives, not to make us more educated and knowledgeable about Bible verses so that we can just quote Bible verses to somebody else. It needs to actually change us. And a great place to go to see this is the book of James. So we're going to go to James. We're going to be reading out of chapter 1. Now, the other interesting thing about going to the book of James is today we're going to talk about doing things, what God has called us to do, works. And James is a really cool book about works. And I had a pastor one time say this, and I thought it was awesome. The book of James is his way of saying, if I don't see any smoke coming out of the chimney, I'm going to have a real hard time believing that there's a fire in the fireplace. And it's where James says, if you have faith, and you're going to have works. That's how it works. But today when James, we're not going to preach out of James as much as I love James, um, we're just going to read chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. And it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed 
and what he does. So the goal today, what I'm going to set as a goal, is as we go through this, and then this passage of Matthew, I'm not going to read through the whole thing again, but I'm going to share with you, as I read through that, read through that, and prayed on it, some points that God put on my heart that I feel he wants us to share. What I want to have is as we leave here today, that we don't just hear that and then walk out that door and not have anything change because of it. So that's, we're going to set the goal for that. So, I'm going to go through a handful of points. The first one that came to me as I was reading through this parable is that there is no version of Christianity where you can have Jesus as your Savior where you don't also accept Him as your Lord. No version where you get Him as Savior without accepting the fact that He is your Lord. Romans 10 Verse 9, we all know this one. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. It's both. Lord, Savior. It's a package deal. That's a big point, and I know that we hear that a lot, but we really need to focus on that. That Thank you, God. Thank you, Christ, for being my Savior. Now, as my Lord, how does it look from here? The second point I want to get to is God does not need to give any of us a personal invitation for something that has already been clearly commanded in the Bible. Having the excuse of God hasn't told me to go do this when the Bible specifically says go do this is not going to fly when you're standing in front of Christ answering for the life you lived as a Christian. The command's already there. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's another one we all know. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is our manual for righteousness and how we become complete as Christians. Um, My personal story, Dan told you a little bit about it, and (laughs) I am thick-headed. I'm a redneck from Corey. Uh, (laughs) We're an interesting group. Uh, I... uh, I apparently don't learn lessons very well, but God is working on that with me. I, I knew a couple years ago that God wanted me to do something. It had something to do with ministry, but what I did is I started something. I actually started a few somethings, but it wasn't what God wanted. And God kept pointing back towards Youth for Christ, and I'm like, kids, I'm not going to go hang out with kids. I want to talk to adults. i got adult stuff to talk about, not kids' stuff. And then I kept going back to Youth for Christ. So I'd start some idea of a ministry, and then it would fall. And then I'd start some other idea of a ministry, and then it would fall. And then I started to get frustrated, a lot of prayers. Okay, God, what do you need me to do? And I, and I stuck with it. And then one day I realized, wow, I'm like a giant child. It probably makes sense for me to go hang out with kids. Um, they do. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, my wife... Um, she's not here today. My little guy is also not feeling well. We were 
here at the chili cook-off last night, and when I saw him put his head down on the table, I knew something was wrong, because he usually bounces off the walls. Um, if she was here, she would tell you that I'm like a giant child. Uh, we regularly have Nerf Wars in our house. She is not thrilled about Nerf Wars in our house, because they always end with her getting attacked by everyone. So, great, I have darts everywhere. Um, but yeah, it was, that's where God wanted me to serve. That's what he put and equipped me for was dealing with young folks. So that's how I wound up in this ministry with Youth for Christ, is understanding that I need to do something, and I started to do something, and then God steered me into Youth for Christ. We've all heard this analogy before that it's easier to steer a ship when it's moving, not when it's sitting still. When it's sitting still, all happens is the rudder gets turned, but it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't matter. Fourth point, and this is where we start to get into the meat of this. Verse 15 in our passage here talks about the gift. Verse 15 says, And to one he, meaning the master, gave five talents which were his to give. To another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. So it was the master who gave the talents. Now, I'm not going to be one of these people that tries to manipulate the fact that talent in that parable is a monetary unit in the time they listen to. And oh, what a coincidence. We use the word talent as something that we're good at. It's an ability that we have that's a notch or two above average. If somebody's good at something, we say, wow, that's a talented guitarist. That's a talented singer. We just watched the Winter Olympics. There was some talented folks in the Winter Olympics. Uh, and then there were the curlers. Um, <laughs> seriously, do those guys not look like a group of guys that you would see at a bowling alley at the bowling league? Like, hey, Dan, let's throw this thing down the aisle here. I'm not picking on Dan personally. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly didn't. That name just came to me. Uh, <laughs> but... It was fun watching them. They really took it seriously. I've never seen anybody sweep a floor that vigorously before in my life. Once again, I'm thankful my wife's not here. Um, the next point is really important. And this is really what God kind of poured into my heart. And it's not just before this came up. It's been for a while that I've been thinking on this. Is The gift, the talent that you were given when you became a believer in Christ is not for your benefit. That's important. I'm going to say that again. The gift you were given, and yes, you were given a gift. The Bible tells us that when you became a believer, that the Holy Spirit imparted a gift to you. And that gift you were given is not for your benefit. Its purpose is to bring honor and glory to God and to expand his kingdom. Not to bring honor and glory to you or to expand your comfort in this world. I think that sits on my heart because I have a concern for some of the churches, especially in America, in this regard. What we have to be very careful of is we do not become what I like to call a billboard Christian. This isn't 
about us. Matthew chapter 6. I actually want to go there in this one. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This is Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting about this, and to do the context behind it, is this is Jesus talking to those who had decided to be his disciples. He wasn't standing up there speaking to the masses. These were people that he got a little deeper with. And if you ever want a spiritual kick in the stomach, go and read the Sermon on the Mount. Because it's like, wow, that's some heavy stuff there. And I'm failing in most of those. Um, 1 through 4 of chapter 6. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. We are called... In this parable, we're going to stand in front of Christ and answer for what we've done, and we, we have to have a return. But we have to remain focused on the fact that that return is for our Master, not for us. Uh, a couple pitfalls, and I just want to bring these up because when I was really praying on this part, this is what came to my heart with this. Is One, I don't want this sermon to sound like this is the all of the Christian life. This is the, as a Christian, I'm going to do this for my Lord. It's the outward display of our Christianity for His glory and expansion of His kingdom. There is a whole other side that we're not touching, and that is personal holiness. That is how we end up. Today we're focusing on serving the Lord and doing things for Him. But there's another half. So I don't want this to sound like because this is where some people come off the rails and they become very works-based. Or they base everything they do in their Christian walk is what they have done for God. There will be people who it's terrifying to think of. They're going to stand in front of Jesus and go, I prophesied and I cast out demons and I did miracles for you. And they're going to hear get lost from Jesus. That breaks my heart that they're going to feel like they've done enough. But they never worked on the other side of it. So I don't want us to lose track that there is another side even though we're not touching on it today. The other thing is this gift of the Holy Spirit that we get. We've all heard the stories and there's churches out there and I'm going to teach you how to have gifts of the Holy Spirit. It takes the proper mentality and the proper attitude and humility to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts, we're not going to go into this, it's going to be a sermon all on its own, but if you want to look it up or write this down, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 25 talks about a guy by the name of Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was a guy who liked to be able to do things that were kind of powerful and above and beyond the norm. And he tried to buy the Holy Spirit from Peter and John. He wanted to give them money so that he could impart the Holy Spirit. And he, he wanted the power that came with it. And his intentions were wrong. And Peter cursed him. So, remembering that we have been giving a gift as believers, we have to keep our mentality focused on this is for God, not 
me. And I stress that because we're human, and guys, I'll be the first to raise my hand and tell you that I like feeling powerful. I think everybody does. It's why superhero movies are so popular, because people like to actually allow themselves to start to think that I can be like Superman or Batman or Spider-Man or whoever it is that has a power that nobody else has and elevates me up. It's our nature. We need to have discernment with that because it can get away from us. The next point, and this is where I really want to bring this together, and this is where we build up. Verse 24 and 25 of our text really let us know where the wicked servant went wrong. I'm going to read it again. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. The reason the wicked servant didn't do anything with the talent he was given was because he was afraid of not being able to generate a return. Think about that. His sin was that he thought he was on the hook for the return and it scared him because he knew what it meant if he didn't have a return. There are people in the church who I believe are suffering from that same fear. And if that rings a bell with you, then I hope that this next point here sets you free from that fear. Because that fear is from the enemy, not from God. See, we're not on the hook for the return. We don't have to worry about that. Because Jesus promised when He left, as a matter of fact, about the first half of John chapter 16, Jesus talks about a helper, the Holy Spirit. He goes so far as to say, it's actually better that I leave because who comes next will help you guys accomplish everything that I've set up for this kingdom. We have a helper. We have somebody who will do the work. Somebody will give us the gifts and somebody who will set the stage to make sure that the harvest is there. That's good news. That I don't have to worry about the result. Uh, it's God who gives that increase. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll go there, uh, we have somebody who, uh, who stepped up and had a life change. And it's Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. We're going to read verses 6 and 7. Now, the church in Corinth, they were an interesting group of folks. They, they got a lot of things wrong. Um, so Paul was always talking to them about getting things back in track. One of the things they did is they started to have division, sectarianism. And Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters but God who gives the increase. Guys, we are planters and waterers. We are not the growers. That's great news. Amen? We don't have to worry about it. God is not going to hold us responsible for the result 
only the work. That's amazing to me. Takes the pressure off. How do I have fear when God just says, no, you go, I'll take care of the rest. All I need you to do is get up and start moving. I'll even give you some gifts. I'll give you some talent, some ability. Go. If the thought of going out there and not being able to produce for God and the world we live in is holding you back, then brothers and sisters, be free. Because God will take care of that part of it. That is awesome news. Uh, next point I have is kind of an interesting, and this came out of nowhere as I was reading through this and hit me off to the side. And that point is, what God accomplishes through us may not make sense to us. It may not directly lead somebody into a relationship of salvation with Christ. Understand that what God does through the gifts He gave you might not click with you right away. It might not walk somebody into salvation. And I, I really wrestled with that because I want to believe that everybody that God puts me in the path of is because I'm supposed to lead them to Jesus. Well, guess what? As hard as it is to understand, not everybody is going to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't understand that. I can't figure that out. And I'm not here to talk about or debate about predestination or any of the other things we hear. All I know is not everybody gets it. But that doesn't mean that not everybody, even if they don't get in, that they don't feel God's grace. Or that goodness won't come out of the situation in a way we don't really understand. Um, I'm going to go to a verse and then we're going to talk about the biblical example that came to me. Philippians... We're going to go to chapter 2. We're going to read verses 12 through 15. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. His good pleasure. I'm going to leave it right there because I want to stop on that. His good pleasure. I don't understand what God's always doing. There was a time when I really felt like I needed to and it held me back. If I can't figure out what you're doing here, God, then I'm just going to hold back because I don't want to get it wrong. Instead of, I'm going to be obedient, God, even though I don't understand what you're doing because I know that you have a plan and a will and it's way above me. And when I finally got that understood, it actually was peaceful knowing that God's bigger than me and He's got control of this, and I was able to let go of that. The biblical example that came to my mind as I was thinking about this, because I'm a type of person that conservative in my theology, and I want to make sure that I never speak something, and I'm speaking on God's behalf, and eh, I'm not really sure, I can't back that up. So I wanted to think of somewhere in the Bible where I could show that, and it takes me to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, to me, has some commands in it. But what I really get out of the Old Testament is, to me, it shows me the character of God. There are things that were in the Old Testament that I really can't apply today, but I can sure learn about God's character through them. 
because we know that he was the same yesterday as he is today and will be tomorrow. He doesn't change. We're thankful for that. So the biblical example comes at the end of the book of Genesis, and we all know of a guy named Joseph. Joseph had a pretty rough run, right? Didn't know what God was doing. Stayed obedient. Got betrayed, got thrown down a well, got sold into slavery, faulty accused, thrown into prison, had some guys get hooked up with the prisoner, like, hey, we're going to get you out of here. And they forgot about him. So he spent some extra time in prison. And then he gets out, and he goes to work for Pharaoh. Now, from what I've gathered through the Bible and the history of the world, the Egyptians were not exactly followers of the Hebrew God in that time. As a matter of fact, they ended up enslaving God's people. But God does something really awesome through Joseph for the Egyptian people. Because Joseph stayed committed to God, and because he was obedient, an entire nation of people who had no intention of giving any honor and glory or following the true God were blessed. And through that, there was a bigger plan that God was working that he blessed people who had no interest in him. And it was for a good beyond that. And they got some of that. Real life story of something that has recently happened. And I tend to cringe and I really don't like it when people take tragedy and try and mix it to their agenda and advance their agenda out of it. And what has recently happened in Florida is turning into that in a big way on both sides of that camp. But what I want to talk about in Florida is the young man. Because when this has happened, this is where my heart broke. My heart broke for the families, the victims, the school, the community. What really broke is this young man because that's my ministry. God called me into a ministry to reach out and try and establish loving relationships with hurt, broken, hateful, marginalized young people. That's what we do. That's where we go. And my thought in this is, what if, and I hope that I might be wrong here, I can't guarantee that God had eternal salvation planned for this young man or does. I don't know that. I hope he does. I hope before he leaves this earth and meets Christ that he does come into a relationship that forgives him for what he did. And I don't want to say that somebody missed the ball in converting this young man into being a Christian before this happened. But what hit my heart is, did somebody drop the ball as a Christian to step into his life and maybe knock him off of this path? Not for the sake of his soul, but for the sake of 17 young folks who left this world. 17 sets of parents who no longer have a child. Was there a chance where maybe not for a salvation purpose for him, but for a greater good that God put somebody in the path of this young man to say, hey, let's try and love on him to stop him from doing something horrible. I believe that the God I serve was working on that. I believe he's working on that here. Guys, I can tell you with almost full confidence that after that happened, that there was a young person in Iroquois, 
Harbor Creek, Northeast, and Seneca School District that could relate to what that young man did. That's a terrifying statement. To dip back into my past, I graduated in Cory in 1995, but when I was in high school, I was probably on the edge of being that hurt and broken. I hated school. I hated people in school. I thank God. And as I trace back, even now as I'm thinking, I was talking to Dan about somebody that I knew in high school that probably knocked me off that course because I was pretty angry and hateful. I came out of a rough situation. Um, my YFC plug in this is that is what we do. We're not a youth group, although we collect youth groups together and do some fun stuff with them. And we want to empower them, as the video showed, to reach out and to become ambassadors and disciple makers in their age group. But what we really do is we get out there and we go where they are. Guys, we could decorate this church. We could put the most awesome program in here. Dan and I could sit down and brainstorm for weeks and build this amazing program and put a big flashy sign outside. We could serve steak dinners. We could have it figured out. And we could do all of that and probably not get more than one or two that come through the door. We have to go there to them. With that being said, I had a meeting last Wednesday with Kelly Hess, who is the superintendent of Harbor Creek School District. I went in and said, we're youth for Christ. We haven't been around for a while. How can we serve you? How do we come in here and help you in this school to build you and to strengthen you? I didn't go in and ask her to preach. I didn't go in and ask her to be able to come in and have the kids and pull them off to the side or do anything with them. I went in there with the attitude of, we'll come and serve because I know that if I'm obedient to what God called me to do and I take the talent that he gave me to that school, that he'll do something with it. So I went to the school and guess what? She was responsive. She said, wow, let's do something here. Let me meet with my leadership staff. It was great news. I had so many people praying, and I'm thankful for that. And I took it to God, and I went. And guess what? She didn't kick me out. As a matter of fact, something's going to happen here. If, as I'm talking about getting up and moving, if you're not, and you know it, and as we're peering into this mirror of Scripture, and you're seeing that reflection, and you're noticing some dirt and grime in your spiritual life, respond to that. I need Christian folks who are willing to go and step into that world and love these kids and build that relationship and invest that time. Be thankful for anybody who wants to come. And I pray that God has people in this group who that's clicking and saying, I want to help do that. I can relate to that. But maybe there's people here like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm feeling a little convicted that I need to do something. Well, in the short term, come hang out with me. And... Uh, one of the things I can tell you is once you start moving for God, if it's not in the right direction, He'll, of course, correct you in a hurry. And sometimes when we take off, we may not be able to go in the right direction right away. I think about planes that leave Erie. I, I fly a lot, and I try not to fly out of Erie because I don't like to land sideways. Um, <laughs> anybody ever flown into Erie, landed in a windstorm? That is scary, guys. I'm telling you what. Uh, but oftentimes when you fly out of an airport... The runway that leaves only goes in one direction. And how many times have you flown out, and then the first thing you do is that really cool thing where they tip you on the side, just high enough so that you can see the ground you'd hit if the window wasn't there. 
but you have to turn. But you have to take off in a certain direction. And I would be happy, thrilled as a matter of fact, if somebody made the decision and they came to me and said, hey, I want to help with Youth for Christ because I know I need to do something and I'm not really doing anything right now. And if they came a month later and said, holy cow, guess what? God just told me about this and he's leading me into that. Godspeed and God bless. I'll pray for you and I'll be thankful that you're serving God where he's called you to. But if you can start with us and it's a start, they could use it. And if it sticks, even better. Because we have some broken young folks in this area. Uh, I won't stand up here and go through statistics, but they're nauseating. Really nauseating. Uh, we need the help, and it's a place to serve. Uh, I want to wrap up, and I want to conclude, and I want to have two great things to bring this to a close. First, is I don't know what the reward looks like that comes from being obedient to Christ and multiplying the talent he gave me. I have no idea. I, I am very skeptical of people who actually have it laid out. Um, quick side note, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. That's what I grew up in. If you don't know them, they've got everything figured out, at least they think. Uh, and when they don't, they change it. They are really good at refiguring things out as they go. They call it new light. Um, they're a little off. I have no idea what it looks like. I don't know what heaven's going to look like. I don't know what the rewards from Jesus look like. But you know what I do know? I want them. Whatever they are, I'm on board with it. Abundance from Christ, I'm in. I don't need to know what it is. I know enough about the God I serve that I'm on board with whatever it is you want to give me, Jesus. I'm in. I want us to think again of this mirror. I want you guys to open your eyes and take a look into it right now. Let your mind go there a little bit. Let your life and the way you've been walking with Christ reflect against His Word. I want to close with this question. Would you be ready this afternoon to have the conversation with Jesus about what you've done with what He's given you? Think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to start out just by thanking you for the ability to come to you in prayer. God, thank you that we don't have to go through a high priest. We don't have to go through anybody. That because of the blood that Jesus shed, we get to stand in front of the throne of grace. God, we come to you today. And Lord, as we consider this word, and as we all look in this mirror, Lord, there's never going to be a time until we're glorified where we don't see something. There will always be something. And we're so thankful for your mercy as you work with us to get us into the image of your Son. So someday when we look in that mirror, we see Jesus looking back at us. Until that time, God, would you work in our hearts this day? If we're, whatever conviction we're feeling, whatever is going through our minds and hearts right now, would you work with us, God? Would you work with those who are sitting here going, I'm not really sure what the talent is or how to use it. Would you work with them? Would you give us guidance? Would you give us courage to take that step? Would you knock fear out of the way so that it doesn't hold us back? Uh, for those who are serving you, Lord, and maybe it's not in the direction you want to go, would you, would you give them the courage and the strength and the peace to say, hey, you know what, I'm serving the Lord, but I feel like I can serve here better, and let them go and guide them. And God, for those who have made the decision to serve you and have heard your call and have stepped into it, 
man, we all know what happens next is we get the attacks, we get the enemy. Would you strengthen us? Would you keep continuing to fill us with the Holy Spirit and helping us stay on course? So that when we meet you, Jesus, and we're standing face to face with you, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God, that is my call for my life and for this church, this body of believers. Lord, help us be good and faithful servants. We love you. We thank you for this day. We pray in Jesus' name.